Be'ezus Hashem Yisbarech. We'll continue what we are learning in the Holy Letters of the Balatanya, letter number 12. What the Shir is in the Schos Rufu Shalema for Hinda, Astabe Rachel. We are learning the letter that the act of tzedakah brings peace in the world and the inner obsession with tzedakah brings a guaranteed tranquility that's inward and outward which is a never-ending state of consciousness And we're going deep into the difference between the two. And one of the things that we're explaining is that this never-ending state, this ad oilam, this everlasting state, even to experience for it for one moment in time, It is a state of consciousness where in that state you have touched infinity. You have touched something that's never-ending and everlasting. Now to say that you will always be in that state, to to say that for the rest of your life you will be in that state everlastingly is not the point that he's trying to make over here. He is trying to talk about when you are obsessed with compassion, when it becomes your obsession and you've pushed yourself into that state then you will have ushered in such an enormous infinity in your soul from deep within the essence of God. Then you will have ushered in a revelation of godliness that flows through your intelligence and flows through the core of your heart, which in that space There is a tremendous separation between ego, soul, and body. Which means that you will have enormous insight, an enormous feeling, and an enormous realization. Of the true energy of the world. Where you will become in tune with the energy of the world. You will get in tune with the godliness that there is in the world. With the inner vitality of everything that's conscious. And when you are in unity in the world. When you are in a complete and entire unison with the world. 
There can be no room for contradiction. There can be no room for drama. There can be no room for fighting. You understand everything at its core. When, when the symmetry and the harmony with everything in the world, in that space, everything makes sense. Everything has its place. So there's no contradiction. There's no imbalance. There's no impurities. That is a never-ending state. It's an everlasting state. That is the true state of humanity. But he says very clearly in this letter, after you've touched that state even one time in your life, you cannot go back easily to the state of arrogance, to the state of imbalance. So even if you become hungry or hormonal, even if you are becoming weak psychologically, even if you will be thrust into temptation, you will be thrust back into trauma. You will not be able to fall back into the rut to be sucked in easily. Even if your spouse gets triggered and you become triggered, but for that triggeredness to take you back to the previous state of consciousness, will not be an easy task unless you will seek to uncover and go back into that trauma. Because when you've touched the essence of compassion, when you've touched this energy, when you've unleashed it on your soul, when you touch it physically, we're not talking about enlightened people, meaning to say that one hopes one day We are talking about a conscious decision to make your life obsessive with compassion, to, to, to choose the profession and the obsession with compassion. And when you obsess on compassion to the point that you touch a space in infinity that's so enormous that it takes you over entirely, You will reveal a core unity with your core of your soul, with the core of God that will allow a tremendous infinite flow of intelligence into your brain, an infinite flow of God's compassion into your heart. And in that space, you have touched a state of never-ending, everlasting Life of compassion from God. And in that space, even if you touch that for one moment, everything makes sense. Everything becomes clear. But that's no guarantee that your life is going to be a picnic from here on out. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Someone who has an obsessive nature, someone who's obsessed with something, their obsession only grows with time. And in the world, that's usually a terrible thing. But in the space of compassion, 
You become a vehicle. You become a light, a beacon to the world. You are not concerned with holding anything. You are not concerned with achieving. You're not even concerned with achieving the state of everlasting and ever-ending because you want to share that with everybody. And to share compassion with everybody means not to focus on being the composer of the music, not to focus on being the solo in the concert, not to focus on what organ you're playing in the concert, but just to be self-absorbed and self-possessed with being part of the music. You see in an orchestra, in an opera, in a tremendous concert, there are spectators and there are tremendous geniuses that come but each seek to amplify their own importance. <clears throat> but there are some audience members and some opera singers or organ players that they have something tremendously in common in the part that the audience, those people in the audience that have a true gift for music and those people that are playing in front of the audience that have a true gift of music, the music flows through them. They are part of the music. And in that space, truly enlightened people who are love the soul of music are not concerned with the fact that they are listening to the music or making the music. They are part of the music. And in that space, the whole entire orchestra is in unison. They are all there to make the music. And the music is the purpose. And to ask the question, what is the purpose in the music, is to misunderstand the whole soul of music. So yes, there are certain artists that come to play music. And the music is about them. And they are still trapped in their own selfishness, in their own ego. They may play phenomenal music. But as long as they are still in the picture, they have misunderstood the true essence of the world of music, which means that my contribution should be insignificant because we all claim came here for one purpose only, to make the music. And as long as I'm part of it, as long as I can see the music, as long as I can listen to the music, as long as I experience the music, that's it. And there are some audience members that are busy being spectators the whole time, bouncing it around. They are there, they are not there. This person's doing that, that person's doing that, busy trying to break it down with the where the beauty of music is lies in its infinity. The beauty in a magnificent orchestra lies in its unity, in its simplification of the cohesion of one whole orchestra together audience with orchestra 
the whole entire hall, everything is all there for one reason and one reason only. Together they all make the music. And the same exact thing is when we deal with the music of your own soul. To be in a state of compassion means to touch one time in your life this never-ending, everlasting state of consciousness where everything has its space. And in that space, there is a tremendous unity, body and soul. There's a tremendous unity between my feeling and my thinking because I everything makes sense to me. And in that space, I am just giving compassion, God's compassion. I'm not looking to get anywhere. I'm not looking to get anywhere with my obsession because I realize that to touch this even for one moment in time is never-ending and everlasting. Meaning to say, even if I only touch it for one moment, my whole entire life will have been worth it. How much more so if I will continue in that space, continue in that obsession? Someone who's truly touched the gift of music is never concerned anymore what his or her contribution is to the music. They just want to make more music. They just want to be part of the music. They just want to listen to the music. But what their actual contribution is, is not so necessary because they are not engaged in spectatorship. They are not engaged in measuring because measuring music compared to generating music, to experiencing music, to being part of the music is indescribable. To experience means to be part of it and to measure it means to stifle it. And that's what he's talking about over here when he says that never-ending and everlasting is a state. It's a state of one moment in time. It might take you 10 years of pushing and obsessing and compassion. As he says over here in the holy letter, that there will be times in your life after obsessing on compassion, there will be times in your life, they could be any time, such as prayer, or other times when you are being misboided in koinoi. You are talking to your creator. You're talking to the creator of the world. You're in a space where you're talking to God, whether it's during prayer or whether it's during your own time when you a one with God, just talking to God. And it will be everybody according to how much of obsessive nature they have in compassion. And in that space, you will be, you will merit. In that space, you will merit the revelation that is similar and a glimmer of the messianic era 
but it's all dependent on what, how obsessive you are with compassion, how obsessive you are in compassion is how much it will permeate the core of your consciousness. And he's a tremendous, tremendous meditation to understand this, to see it in your marriage. An enlightened marriage, an obsessive marriage, which means a marriage that's bent on the contract of compassion. You see, when you start to get this with all, every fiber of your being, you start to realize that you and your spouse, whether you're a man or a woman, you have one obligation and one obligation only, to reach a state of compassion. And if you're the man or the woman, you each possess half of compassion. But with the half of compassion, you'll never get the compassion. And unless you realize that the other side of you contains the secret of all of your compassion. And what that means practically, so magnificent. You see, a man and woman starting from the original sin, there was confusion in the separation between husband and wife, man and woman, body and soul. There was a confusion. Each one trying to over-amplify its gender. Each one trying to over-amplify its contribution. But what is the source of that? What is the secret of that? What can we extract from that? From the gender wars? What can we extract from that? For the woman to truly see what the man holds. What DNA, what secret code, what secret energy does man hold? What's he holding back from me? What do I desperately need from this man? What do I desperately need from this woman? And the Holy Kabbalist explained that in gender wars, in the beginning of all original sin, which means... The reason why man and woman needed to put on clothing, which is not to amplify your animal nature, not to amplify your beastly nature, your body nature, but for each one to be desperate for each other to get what the other one possesses on a deeper soul level, on an intimate level. What's deep in the core of a man and what's deep in the core of a woman? Not to be Tempted with the allure of the body, with the allure of what the other one's going to give to you. But what do they really hold for you? What do they have that you can never live your life without? And this is a tremendous, phenomenal mystery and secret. Because a man deep inside the core of him lies love. And a woman deep inside the core of her lies feeling. And as we explained, when a man gives, he gives with his body, which means that he gives with his superficial, he gives with his left side. He's, whatever he's shearing, when he talks love, 
His mouth is limiting the deep love that's in his heart. And when a woman talks feeling, she's limiting with her mouth the deep feeling that she has deep within inside her body. So a man's soul is love and a woman's soul is feeling. And the feeling of a man is, the feeling of a woman is trapped in her body. The ability to feel and the ability of love that a man has to give love is trapped in his body. And when they desperately need each other, man and woman, and they don't just engage maisa tzedakah, superficial type of marriage, where they desperately need each other, they desperately need the other one's soul, then you have a heart, a full physical heart that's created by this marriage where the soul of love is being felt by the soul of feeling. And the soul of feeling that's feeling all the love from the husband is giving back to the husband now the feeling of love. And together they both cheer in each other's unlimited, unimaginable, infinite contributions. Because the man has the soul of love deep inside of him. And it's so trapped. And when he's talking, only a little bit's coming out. And she has deep inside of her the soul of feeling. And when she's talking, only a little bit's coming out. But if they interinclude, if they're desperate for each other's contribution, desperate for each other's secret, desperate for each other's infinity, that creates a full feeling heart, a heart that truly feels, truly loves. And in that space, you cannot tell who's the soul of love and who's the soul of feeling. Because she's pulling out and sucking out the love that he has deep within inside of him that he's not even aware of. And he, through that love that he's giving her, is making her feel a love and being understood and being felt more than she ever could have thought possible. But by splitting these two up, the magic of compassion is created between husband and wife. So if husband and wife are dealing with each other superficially, then we have a superficial state, we have a peaceful state of compassion. But if husband and wife are dealing with each other in an intimate level all the time, then she's pulling out of him his gift of love that he doesn't even know about, that's hovering. And that love is being made real by her feeling. She's feeling all of that love because she is seducing him out of, out of him, not physically, but psychologically and spiritually. She's helping him get in touch, making his love real. And in that space, he's going deep into her and she's feeling every bit of the love because he, she's narrowing down and making that real. And that space, the soul of love and the soul of feeling to feel the love, they have become one. And that is an obsessive state of compassion. That is in a state that's never ending and everlasting. Because in that space, a husband and wife could never be reactive to each other. Because they realize that everything that I want and need is with the other. Husband sees himself as zero near his wife. And a wife sees herself as zero near her husband. 
And in that space, everybody holds the life of the other person. But first you must put on the glasses of compassion to see this. But even to have one moment of this enlightened marriage is a never-ending everlasting. And that's what he's saying. If you're in that stay space, to go back to a space of an unenlightened marriage is possible, but it's not probable. Because to realize for one moment in your life that all of what you need, your spouse has, that's the most magical thing in the world. And that's the secret of this peric, that the harmonious messianic era state is to realize that everything you need is all around you. It's not within you. And in that space, you're looking to give, not looking to receive. Because it's only through giving to all people around you, primarily your spouse and your children, and the poor people that come in contact with you, but by giving in that space, you've unleashed the core of who you are. And the people around you are needing you and yearning for you, are bringing you to a space where you're in touch with the deepest core of yourself, which had there not been a need for you to contribute, you would never have made that music. But in that space, music is the purpose, not who is making it. And when you've touched that never-ending, everlasting state, you are not concerned with results. And that is the messianic era state that he says is achievable all by man. But you have to change your profession. You have to become obsessive in compassion. And as much as you obsess, so will be the revelation on your soul. And to try this one moment in your life is the most magical thing in the world.